0: as you're being seated, just a couple of things. Please, if when you arrive, you did not pick up your... Oh, this is very hot, David. Turn me down just a little bit. Um, if you did not get one of our, our booklets, Followology booklets, um, Caleb's phenomenal. Uh, he heard several of you say last uh, last week, I didn't have enough room to take notes on this, that, or the other. And he said, well, I just get his notebook. And so, this came in yesterday. I mean, he's phenomenal. How he can make things happen. So, uh, if you didn't get one of those, are on the table as you come to the main door, and also some over here as you're going out the triangle area. We want you to have one of these. Uh, I'll tell you that uh, when Ken got here earlier, first first one in the door, he picked up the one on the top of the top bunch, and I said, "Now wait a minute, wait a minute. That's got my notes in it." He wouldn't give it back. <laughs> no, they're all blank. <laughs> they're all blank. <laughs> uh, turn, if you will, to the Gospel of John, chapter fifteen. While you're turning there, before I, I get any further into uh, follow-up, though I happen to make up that that word, um, what, what I want to share with you uh, is two things, two disclaimers. Going to give you two disclaimers. Uh, first of all, is this: Let me remind you that no series of teachings or sermons create disciples, okay? Hopefully this will encourage and inspire and direct you uh, in that process, but uh, disciples is something that Holy Spirit makes, Jesus makes disciples, as you take the things the Scripture teach, which is what we're going to be dealing with, and and walk with Him about that, Uh, apply these things to our lives. And so uh, when you get to the end of the series, whenever the Lord brings it to an end, uh, you're not going to get a diploma that says, I are a disciple, okay? It don't work. That way, all right. But just so, so you'd be aware of that. Second, uh, very few of us are totally original. I definitely am not. I owe a great deal about who I am as a Christ follower today to several different uh, people and groups and uh, navigators and other groups as well. But one particular person, uh, one of our missionaries, Southern Baptist missionaries, uh, developed a means of discipling people when he was in the Philippines. And uh, when he came home, he was deeply burdened that so many of the folks within our churches uh, were not being discipled. And he was asked by our, our International Mission Board, uh, please remain stateside and translate what you're doing with the Filipinos into English and also into our culture. Uh, and so he was doing that in 1980. And I met him in 1980 while this was in the process. And uh, much of what I learned in my earliest days as a uh, a disciple and a discipler came from Avery Willis. Uh, Avery died died in uh, 2010. Uh, but not before he had literally uh, led millions to understand what it is to be uh, a discipler and a disciple maker. So I just want to say that uh, up and up and foremost. Now, we're going to continue to have a little fill in the blank things. For some of you just, you know, like filling in the blanks. You may not want to take just notes like you like, uh, you know, in your notebook. Whatever works for you is absolutely fine. So off the bat, <clears throat> followology lesson number two. Okay. So in other words, get ready to fill in the blank or write this down. Um, Falling in love with Jesus means learning to abide in Him. Falling in love with Jesus means learning to abide in Him. We're going to talk a lot about that over the course of the next couple of weeks. But it's not a set of rules you keep, it's a relationship that you nurture. And I say this because in, in so many circles and so many people who first come to faith in Christ, they, they, they mistakenly think that becoming a believer, becoming a Christ follower is, you know, you, you, you've got this long set of rules that you've got to go find them all throughout the Bible and you've got to keep them. And if you do, God likes you. And if you don't, then you don't. Uh, and, and that's something we've got to right off the bat uh, thoroughly, thoroughly dissuade people from understanding. <clears throat> now, this these sentences. I'm going to say them again. Falling in love with Jesus means learning to abide in him. That's a lot right there. And then it's not a set of rules that you keep. It's a relationship that you nurture. Let those two sentences just kind of uh, sit in your heart there. It's important. Because this whole series, what I'm going to be talking about is not only theological and doctrinal, but practical ways that we can fall more and more and more in love with Jesus. And, and as I say that, when I'm talking about a love relationship with Jesus, I'm not talking about warm fuzzies, okay? I mean, there are warm fuzzies. And I'm thankful about that. And when, we, when, we, when we're doing worship songs and when we're in prayer and things like that, all them warm fuzzies, they come on down the pike. But that's not what I'm talking about. If you know what it is to be in love with someone, what that means is commitment. What that means is you signed on for the long haul. What that means is you, you understand there are highs and lows in this relationship. There are times that it's, it's fun, and there's times it's just work. That's all there is to it. And, and it's not always smooth sailing. Sometimes the sea is tempest-tossed. And, and that is a love relationship. And so when I'm talking about entering into a love relationship with the Christ, I'm not talking about just warm fuzzies. Those warm fuzzies are there. But there are times that out of love, God has taken me out behind a woodshed. And if you don't know what happens there, I'll explain that to you later. All right? There, there are times that he will drag you through some really tough times in order to bring you out the man or woman of God that he wants you to be. And there's a lot of wonderful blessings with it. But folks, understand, the love relationship means he loves you enough to speak truth, He loves you enough to get in your face. He loves you enough sometimes to let you drag along the bottom a while before you wake up to what he wants you to be and to do. So the very first discipline a Christ follower has to grasp and has to understand if he wants to really grow in this love relationship with God, he's got to spend time with the master. He's got to spend time with the master. Understand the word disciple. Our modern word for that is the word apprentice. And the apprentice not only sits in a classroom and learns about plumbing or electricity or whatever it is like that. He actually works underneath a master. A master electrician, a master plumber, whatever it is. And watches him do it. And, and then does it under that supervision. And A, a disciple or a, a Christ follower is an apprentice. So it's imperative that we spend time with our discipler. And see that takes me out of the equation. We only get be together a couple of hours a week but but you are every moment of every day with the discipler and that's with the spirit of the living God so that's the key so don't don't just pass a nod to him as you head out the door every morning you start in that love relationship and you grow in that love relationship by spending time with him and that gets us to the word I want you to see about tonight and that word is abide will you say that word with me abide. Say it a little louder, abide. I want to be sure you can say it because I'm going to ask you to say it now. (laughs) As we read through these passages in John chapter 15, every time we come to the word abide, I want you to say it out loud with me. So I'll read along in the sentence. We come to the word abide. I'll pause. We all say abide because I want you to see how this word permeates Jesus' teaching here. John chapter 15, we don't actually see it until we get down to verse 4, but let me get a running start with verse 1. Jesus says, I am the vine, and you are, uh, and my Father, I am the true vine, I'll get it out in a minute, and my Father is the vine dresser. So Jesus said, I'm the vine, the Father is the vine dresser. Who is that? He's he's the farmer. He's the horticulturist, okay? Every branch in me That does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. You are already clean because of the word which I have given you. Okay, now get ready. Here it comes. What's this word? Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit, for without me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out like a branch and is withered. And they gather them and throw them into the fire, and they're burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you. You will ask what you desire, and it will be done to you. By this is my Father glorified, that you bear much fruit, and so shall you be my disciples. As the Father loved me, I have also loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will Abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments, and abide in his love. These things I have spoken you, that my joy may remain, or that word is also abide, abide in you, that your joy may be full. Now I want to focus, we're going going to look at every one of these verses over the course, excuse me, of the next few weeks, but I want to focus tonight just here on verse 5. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. Holy Spirit, I ask you just to come and abide with us. We hear tonight that that is just the essential of how we get to know you. Of how we grow in you. Everything about this love relationship is tied up in this little word, abide. So we want to open our heart to you as our discipler and understand that to be a Christ follower, this this primary rule of followology is to abide in Christ as Christ abides in us. Holy Spirit, we can only do this by your grace. Only you can open our eyes and open our heart, and we ask you to do that in Christ's name. Amen. Now, let's talk a little bit about that word abide. The, the, the word actually in the Greek is the word meno. And it's kind of like the little fish you use as bait when you're fishing for bass or crappy. It's pronounced very much like that. Okay? Meno. Now, the word abide. Now, tell me in our language today, just, just, we, we don't even use that word that much now today as we used two years ago. But when I say the word abide, what comes to your mind? Raise a hand. What comes to abide? Stay, okay. All right. What else? Abide. Hmm? Remain, okay. What else? Live, okay. So let's pause there for a moment. Uh, that we use the word abide to say live or stay or remain. Uh, you know, police officer pulls you over. He wants to know where do you abide? And what's he talking about? He's talking about your address. Where do you live? Where do you prop your feet up? Where, where is it that you, you, know, you draw your nourishment and so on and so forth? That's, that's one way we use the word abide. Uh, there's another way that some of the older folks here will know. It's the way my grandmother used it an awful lot. I'd say or do something that she disagreed with and she'd say, now nah, I can't abide that. Anybody else hear that? It used that way? Okay, some of you are old enough, some of you are lying. Uh, but, and what that meant is now I can't handle that. I can't live with that. That can't can't happen in and around me. Well, that's also a way that we use the word abide. And both of these are are correct um, to an extent to the word meno. But we don't really have an English word that can really translate what this word communicates. So let me let me tell you what the word meno means. And it does mean you know where you live and, and 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 what you adhere to, but it means to live in vital union with, to live in a a life-giving relationship with. So let me me just give you an illustration of that, very similar to what Jesus gave here, all right? Uh, Let's say I'm involved in a terrible uh, accident, and my arm is severed at the shoulder. And there it is, laying over there on the ground near Russ, okay? My arm has been severed from me. It is no longer abiding in my body, all right? And so what's going to happen to that, that arm? If, if you're a paramedic, if you're a first responder or whatever, you show up on the scene, what are you going to do? You're going to take me to the hospital. What about my arm? Yeah, you're going to take my arm. You're probably going to pack it in ice. You're going to stop the bleeding on me. And then you're going to rush us both to the hospital. What are they going to do when you get to the hospital? Well, they're going to take me to surgery. And what are they going to do? They're going to try to reconnect the blood vessels, reconnect the muscles, reconnect the nerves and such. And if they can successfully get my arm back in a life-giving relationship with the rest of my body, then it will be restored. But if not... If it lays over there on the floor before long, I asked the staff yesterday, what's going to happen? And they said, it'll stink. That's not what I had in mind. (laughs) It'll die. It'll die. It'll wither and die. Because it only exists, this thing only exists (laughs) because it's attached to me. And it, it does what my brain tells it to do. Sometimes when I'm typing, I'm not at all sure that it does. But it, it does what my brain tells it to do. It gets its strength and its nourishment from the blood and the oxygen that is being pumped through it. So my arm is living in life-giving union with my torso. So it abides in me. Now Jesus used a very common analogy of his day because it was a very agricultural community, and so he was talking about the grape arbors, and he was talking about the. the he said, "I am the vine. I am the grapevine." And then he said, "Now you are the branches that grow out of me." And he said, "Now the key for you is to abide in me." To to out of the the roots of the vine, that's where all the nutrients come out of the soil and then they work their way up and out through the vines. And as they do that, what happens at the end of the vines? Fruit, grapes, yeah. Fruit comes out of the end. And so what what Jesus is saying here, now you want to live in a life-giving relationship with me. If you want to have this relationship with me, this love relationship and it be growing in your life, here, here is the key: focus on abiding okay now here 's where we get it wrong so often uh, in, in in modern church life you know when we 're thinking about okay really want I really want to really grow in the Lord, so I need to have fruit in my life, so I want to concentrate on the fruit in my life I want to concentrate on on speaking the truth on, on on being loving, I want to be gentle and patient and kind and we 're focusing on on all of these things but we strain and strain and strain and strain. But the fruit, we can't make the fruit come. What does Jesus say the purpose of the branch is? Not to bear fruit. The purpose of the branch is to abide in the vine. The byproduct of abiding in the vine is the fruit. You see? And so, you know, if, if you and I are living in this love relationship with God, if we're abiding in this love relationship with God, the various fruit of the Spirit, the various fruit of being, uh, having the mind of Christ and seeing other people come to faith in, in the Lord, all of that fruit is concentrating on the fruit, but concentrating on the abiding. And so abide is this key word for us. It's, it's how we really fall more deeply in love with Jesus. So how do we do that? How, how do we focus on, how, how do we really give our attention to abiding in Christ? How do we do that? Well, the key to this is spending time with the Lord. Spending quality time with the Lord. Um, Valerie and I were high, high school sweethearts, Okay. We actually met on a blind date. If she wasn't blind, she'd have never dated me. So we met on this blind date. Really and truly we did. Uh, there was a girl, I'd been in the town for about 18 months and I came back and I tried to kind of take up where I'd left off with this old girlfriend of mine. <laughs> she wasn't having it. Anyway, so, but she knew Valeria. Valeria had a very good looking brother and she said, hey, you get me a date with, with your brother and I'll, I'll get you a date with this cast off of, I mean, uh, this friend of mine that came, <laughs> came back to town. And so, you know, They set it up and and such. And that's how Evelaria and I, I met. Right away, I knew I liked this girl, and she thought she might like me as well. And so how did that liking turn to loving? We spent a lot of time together. We spent a lot of time on the phone together. Now, back in those days, a telephone was something that was attached to the wall, okay, and, and you, you picked it up out of a cradle and held it to your, to your, I can remember we'd been on the phone for a couple of hours and all of a sudden the, the operator broke in and said, would you please hang up? Somebody's trying to dial this number. I said, oh, I'm in trouble now. <laughs> but it was important for us to spend time together, to be on dates, to, to go to church together, all the different things that we did together. And out of the spending time together and the things we did during those times that we spent together, our love grew. Well, you know, a, a relationship, a love relationship, a marital relationship, Jesus says, that's the picture of the relationship with God, with his people. And so why would it be any different for us? It talks about having to do with time. That is imperative for your love to grow. And listen, let me just say something. Your love, you are only going to do as much as your love for Christ calls you to do. You're only going to obey to the point that your love compels you to obey. You're only going to establish the disciplines that you need to establish as your love will press you to do. And so it all flows out of the love relationship. And we're going to talk about some of those disciplines in just a little bit. So to grasp this, you're not going to grow by being more determined. You're not going to be grow because you, want, you feel like you have an obligation. You're not going to grow because you need to please your wife or your husband or your pastor or whatever. The only thing that is going to compel you to get out of your comfort zone and change the way you've been being is falling more and more in love with Jesus. And as you fall more and lower with love at him, this becomes a natural lifestyle for you. Remember, I did not grow up in church. Some of you were blessed to have grown up in church. Some of you are blessed to have grown up in this church, uh, but, but I didn't, that was not, that, not my lifestyle. We did not attend church anywhere whatsoever for any reason whatsoever, until I came to faith in Christ. And when I accepted Christ as my savior, I, I, I found this new family, this new group of people the church, and, and I was enamored by them. And they had a very real, bubbly relationship with Jesus Christ. And it was tangible. It was something that, that you know, that they, they talked about and lived every day. And I remember the first time on a Sunday night, you know, churches used to meet on Sunday night. On a Sunday night, the pastor stood up and he said, I want you to know tonight, I love the Lord tonight. And he shared something that he and the Lord had experienced. And then he asked the question, anybody here want to bear witness that you love the Lord tonight? Now I didn't know this, but this is a tradition in a lot of churches that the pastor sets the tone by saying, Do you love the Lord tonight? That means you get to testify. You get to share. So one person would stand and say, I want to know once you know I love the Lord tonight, it would share an experience, answered prayer, or sensing his presence during a difficult time, or whatever it was. And I was sitting there, you know, fascinated by what I was hearing. God was tangibly real to these folks, and, and they were sharing and talking about this, and, and I was, and so, you know, I, I talked to my pastor, I talked to my, uh, my, my youth leader, and I said, well, how does this work, and they said, well, you, you, you got to spend time with the Lord, and as you spend time with the Lord, you love, learn to fall in love with him, and, and, and all, you become aware of his presence, and all these things, and I said, yeah, 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 I want some of that, I want some of that, okay, and so they pushed me into the Word of God. They pushed me into learning about prayer and such. A- after a few months, uh, this happened two or three different times, a pastor said, yeah, I know the Lord. Any of y'all love the Lord tonight? Bam, I was on my feet. Let me tell you what me and the Lord experienced this week. You see, I was challenged That love was not about keeping rules or just showing up on Sunday or whatever the case may be, but living in a vital, life-giving relationship, a love relationship that was growing day by day and moment by moment with God. That's that's what it means to be a Christ follower. And that's what takes church (laughs) and blows it wide open. It's not about just church. It's not about Sunday. It's about what you do before you ever get here and the relationship that we have with Christ and how we're growing in him. And so that love relationship grows in direct proportion to the kind of time, the quality of time we spend with him. So here it is in your notes. If the secret of being a Christ follower is falling in love with Jesus, how do you do that? Because we want to get practical as we go with this. This is the the theology and the doctrine and the spiritual truth, but we want to get practical about how we do that. We do that with time. We do that with time. Now, before you become aware of God in every fiber of your being as you go throughout the day, you have to first be aware of spending some quality time with him each and every day. And this takes some structure. It takes some determination. It takes some Discipline. That's why it's called a discipline. But, but God wants us to do this. Listen to his word as I read it over you. In Jeremiah 24, I will give you a heart to know me. To know me. Did you hear that? John 17, 3. Now this is eternal life, that they may know you as the only true God. Paul writes to the Philippians in chapter 3 and verse 8. Yet indeed, I also count all these things as loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus. And to the Ephesians, he writes, I write this that you may know him better. Did you know God wants you to know him? And to know him well? And to know him intimately? Listen, he wants to know you a lot more than you want to know him which is okay right now because he wants to instill this hunger, instill this thirst within you that that you're longing to have that kind of experience. And as we do that, as we spend time with him and we're focusing on abiding with him, the fruit that you're going to see growing, let me tell you, the first fruit you're going to see growing is obedience. Obedience. Obedience is the fruit of love. Now write that down. Obedience is the fruit of love. And right beside that, write this passage down. John 14, 23 through 24. Don't turn there. I just want you to listen to this, okay? John 14, 23 through 24. You can look it up later. Jesus is speaking. He says, if anyone loves me, he will keep my commandments. And my Father will love him. And we will come and we will make our home in him. Did you get that? Did you get that? If anyone loves me, he will keep my commandments. Obedience to the word of God is one of the first fruits that grow out of falling in love with him. And let me, just, let me just say something. The opposite of this is a diagnostic tool. Let me ask you, are you having trouble in any area of your life obeying Christ? Is there any area of your life that you're having trouble obeying him? Maybe it's making right somebody that's hurt with you or offended with you. Uh, maybe it has to do with finances and being obedient and giving. Listen to me very carefully. You never have a problem with obedience. Let me say that again. You will never have a problem with obedience. Your problem will always be with love. That's according to the Word of God. I'm not making that up. Jesus himself said, if you love me, then you will obey me. And the converse of that is true. If you're struggling to obey Him, your struggle is in your love relationship, in your trust relationship, in your growth with the Lord. That's what it's there. It's not in the obedience. Because you see, you can grit your teeth, and I'm going to do this if it kills me, and, and it will. <laughs> but if you're growing in the love relationship, you know, it just comes naturally, it flows. You know, I do not really like to work in the yard. I do not like to pull weeds. I don't mind cutting grass. I I don't like to plant and and to to snip and to prune and to pull weeds and and, and to plant some more and to pull weeds. I, I do not like to do this. But that is my wife's love language. I promise you the girl loves her flowers more than she loves me. No, I'm not sure about that. But anyway. But every Thursday or Friday, depending on the weather and what my schedule is like, we're going to be outside working in the yard. I don't know the names of half of what lives around my house. Okay? But if it needs trimming, I trim it. If it needs spraying, I spray it. If it needs digging up and hauling off, I dig it up and haul it off. But... I do that, not because I love to pull weeds, but I love my wife, and we share this, and it's a bond that we have, and together we've learned to hate weeds. (laughs) You see, it's not burdensome when it's done out of love. You know, moms and dads, grandmas and grandpas too, but moms and dads especially here, I know your kids, I've learned, I've, I've met them, and I know why you come in the door gritting your teeth. I understand that, okay? But you do that because you love them. And, and I promise you, one day they will give you grandchildren and you'll be glad you didn't pinch their heads off. All right? This, this is, is, is where the joy is, where the reward finally comes back. When it's motivated out of love, it may be hard, but you do it because of the love relationship. And that's what Jesus is saying. If you love me, you'll keep my commandments. The first, one of the first fruit that you'll see growing on the end of your vine is going to be obedience. So how, how, do we do, how can we practically get down? Let's talk some nuts and bolts here for a few minutes. Our time's getting gone. How can we practically spend time with the Lord. Here's, here's some things. Write these down. These are not in the notes. You've got to write these down, okay? I, first of all, I want you to get ready tonight for tomorrow morning. You need to make it a point of getting ready the night before. I guarantee you, if you don't, you're going to get up in the morning. What did I do with my Bible? Where's my glasses? Where's my notebook? Where's, you know, the devil will hide them. I promise you, all right? Because he does not want you spending time with the master. He does not want you to have any of this quality time. So get ready the night before, okay? So have your Bible, your notebook, which I, if you didn't get a notebook, by the way, get one before you leave. Get your notebook and, and, and that pen. I hadn't tried out all of them, but most of the pens work. But have that right there. If you, you know, do devotional literature or you have a favorite commentary, whatever, just stack them up. Have, have, have a place, okay? Secondly, select a time. Select a time. Now, if this means setting your clock fifteen minutes earlier or whatever the case may do be, this this is why it's called a discipline. All right. We just we just have to do this. Uh, set that set that clock a little earlier or whatever, and do not hit the snooze button. All right? Thou shalt not. That's Fred's eleventh commandment, okay? All right. Don't hit the snooze. Set a time That's best for you. And don't start off trying to hit an hour or two hours. Don't don't, don't do that. You're you're, you're programming failure, all right? Just shoot for 15 or 20 minutes, okay, to begin with, all right? Uh, Choose a place where you're most likely not going to be disturbed. Now, again, Satan's going to disturb you. I promise you, okay? But as best as possible where you won't uh, be, be disturbed. If you have to go to the backside of your closet, (laughs) hang a light bulb in there and do it, okay? But find you a place and let that be your spot, okay? I would say if you have family at home, especially, you know, children or even your spouse, say, look, I am trying to have some quiet time at home with the Lord. I'm going to be a better husband. I'm going to be a better wife. I'm going to be a better daddy if I have this little bit of time. Help me protect it, okay? And, and help one another be accountable with that as well. Now, when you, when you get there, listen to this. This is the most important thing I'm going to tell you tonight. Focus on meeting a person, not on doing a task. Focus on meeting a person, not on doing a task. You know, this is not something that you're trying to check off to where you can brag that I did seven days in a row. It's not about that. When you focus on meeting the Lord Jesus Christ, it becomes personal. It's already personal with Him, but it becomes personal with us. Okay? So, so you focus on, on a person. Now, there's a lot of other things we're going to talk about that you do in the process of this. But, but you know, just, just, just this. Now, ask Him... To reveal himself to you through his word. Ask him to reveal himself to you, to you through his word. He wants to do this. He wants to reveal himself to you. He wants you to know him and grow in, in, in your knowledge of him. So he's, he's already predisposed to this. You do not have to twist God's arm and ask him to meet you there. Uh, he'll be there before you, okay? Okay. The Bible says he neither slumbers nor sleeps, so he don't have to wake up, he don't have to get a cup of coffee or any of the rest of that. Okay, did I say something about making coffee? You might want to make the coffee before you go in there. Whatever it takes, you know, to to get you there. All right? And then I'm I'm going to give you some more specifics about from from these. Let me just say this. I love devotional literature. Uh, We give out living in the Word here. Fabulous, fabulous. Uh, we've got Stand Firm and Journey. Uh, we, got, we have so many wonderful devotional literatures that we make available to you here. Those are good, but hear me. They are no substitute for the Bible. Do not allow a devotional or a book or a commentary to be a substitute for the word of God. Now, the better ones, and we choose some very good ones, drive you into the word, okay? So it's about meeting with the Lord in the word. It's not about seeing what this writer says is a good story or whatever, gives you a real warm fuzzy. Those are wonderful. I love those, by the way. And it's amazing how God tailors them to what's going on in your life sometimes. Phenomenal how he does that, okay? But commentaries are good. Devotional literature is good. All of these is fine. But just don't let them take the place of your Bible. After you've read, and we're going to talk about how to get, you know, this communication going back and forth. We'll talk about that a little later. But then here's what I want you to write in your book, other than the notes you take in here. Two little simple questions. Here's the first one. What did God say to me? What did God say to me? Now, as you're reading, it, it may be some information he wants you to have. It may be he's speaking to a sin in your life that needs to be confessed or repented of or whatever. Uh, it may be a doctrinal truth he wants you to know. So, I mean, it, it's, it's, it's different, you know, all along, depending on where you're reading and what it is God's trying to get through to you. But what did God say to me? Here's the second question. What do I say back to God? You know, it may, it may be, you know, I didn't know that, God. I'm, I'm, I'm glad to, uh, to understand that, you know. I didn't, I didn't know that, that uh, Saul was wounded in battle and he fell upon his sword. And that's where we get that phrase, fall upon your sword. We, I, I didn't know that's where that came from. It comes from the Bible. Here, so I didn't know that. Or it may be, ooh, Lord, <laughs> use the sword of your word just to prick my heart. And you, you may want to write a, write a confession or whatever. Or it may be, you know, man, this is the most beautiful psalm I've ever read and it just speaks. God, thank you for the promises. Whatever. What does God say to me? What do I say back to God? That's not hard. That's not hard. It's very simple. And that is going to take you a long, long way uh, in the process. So here's, let me, let me pull this together. Our, our time's getting gone. I want to commission you starting tonight to spend time with the Lord in the mornings, okay? Now, if you're absolutely a zombie when you get up in the morning and your spouse doesn't even want to talk to you, maybe you need to do it at night, all right? But find the time that works best for you, all right? And, and do that. And then focus on, and the more aware you are with him in the morning, the more you're going to walk with him all throughout the day. And so it's, it's always good to start in the morning if you can. So I commission you to do this and listen to the Lord. So as we continue with Followology, we're going to talk about doctrinal truth, like I did with abiding. And uh, we're going to have some real, real, a lot of fun with that, some interactive fun next week. But then there's always going to be this practical side. We come back to how does this work, all right? So let's pray together because our time has gone. Father, this has been so good to be with those that I love and those that I'm growing to love more every day. And thank you that we don't have to somehow convince you it's a good idea to meet with us. When I walk into our little little study library area, that tiny little room, I never walk into there alone in the morning. You're already there. And you know where we're going to be in the word. And you know what you want to share with me that day. And sometimes, Lord, I I just stand in awe before you. Sometimes you move me to my core. Sometimes I read something and I say, well, okay. Yeah, I've read that a hundred times and it's still the same as last time. But thank you for it, Lord. But every time you say something to me, And I get to say something back. Thank you, Lord, that this is the beginning of what it means to abide in you. And that as I abide, our love relationship is going to grow. And I'm so excited about what you're going to do in the lives of my brothers and sisters here. As we grow to understand, followology. So, Lord, you lead. And we, your servants, we will follow. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. God bless you tonight.